You're listening to an Ancient Future podcast produced by St. Benedict's Table, a congregation of the Anglican Church of Canada located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. I'm your host, Jamie Howison. This is episode 8 in our ongoing serialization of John Boddicher's book, Ten Steps on Freedom Road. Today considers the fifth commandment to honor your father and mother. John's explorations take us into somewhat unexpected territory. And in fact, he understands this commandment to be an invitation toward freedom to be yourself. This is John Bottiger. Chapter 8. Freedom to be Yourself. The fifth commandment from Exodus. Honor your father and your mother so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Now we turn to the commandments that have to do with our relationship to our neighbors. The version in Deuteronomy 5 adds the words, so that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you, to the commandment, as if Moses wanted the people to remember that quality of life matters as much as length of life. Nothing affects the quality of our life more obviously than how we relate to our neighbors, especially those neighbors closest to us, that is, our family. In my experience, there are no perfect families. Each one is broken in its own way. The hurts and disappointments we experience from our family members leave their scars on us, often much more deeply than the wounds which come from our more distant neighbors. It is from family that we expect love, and when that expectation is broken, our own ability to love and be loved is challenged. So, this commandment may seem almost impossible to some folks, while others may mistakenly think it is easy to do. As I am one of the latter, let us begin there. On the surface, I appear to have had a perfect childhood. I was never in any doubt that my parents loved me. I never lacked any necessity. Discipline was always administered firmly, but calmly and without violence. Although, I have to say that my mother and I had some spectacular fights when puberty and menopause arrived in our family simultaneously. Perhaps some of my flaws can be traced to being an only child, but that was the result of a late marriage, not my parents' choice. And there was a downside to being the child of the school principal in a small town, although it may sometimes have saved me from the physical consequences of my lack of diplomacy with my fellow students. So it must be easy to honor such parents, right? No, not really. What is easy is to yield to the temptation to idolize them. In our small town, both my parents were highly respected. At my father's funeral, a man who knew him well described him to me as the most honest man I have ever known. He did that while looking at me with a suspicious look, and I heard it as a judgment of my own obviously deficient character. I knew in that vulnerable moment that I could never live up to such an example. When we put romanticized images of our parents on a pedestal, we cannot honor them, 
for we can never live up to the image. The worms of guilt and inadequacy, in my case, the sense of lacking integrity from my father, and both musical and athletic ability from my mother, begin to eat the soul. These worms do not empower us to be our best selves. Rather, they lead us into self-deception or despair or both. To truly honor our parents leads us toward respecting the truth about them as well as we can know it, and to acknowledging the wounds as well as the gifts that have made them who they are or were. To honor my father involves being aware that his mother died as he was born that his beloved stepmother died from tuberculosis when he was a small boy, that he had to leave home and live with his mother's relatives in order to attend high school, that it took many years to work his way through college, and that all these left wounds which made it very difficult for him to show affection to his privileged son. To honor my mother involves being aware that when she was in her teens, her mother was consigned to a mental hospital where she eventually died. That as the eldest and only female of four children, she was compelled to take on the domestic tasks of a mother. That the cultural assumptions of the day forced her to choose between life as a professional musician and life as a wife and a mother. And that somewhere in the process, she lost the capacity to show affection by touching. For me to honor my father involves repentance for the pain my casual approach to academic work caused him who had worked so hard for his education. For me to honor my mother means embracing the changes in female-male relationships which feminism has brought about in our culture, not only because they are just, but also as a way of honoring the sacrifices my mother made. We have put off looking at what is probably the more difficult problem. How does one honor a parent who has been a disappointment or who has not taken the trouble to be part of their child's life? As I have not been in this position, my thoughts on this question are offered with great reservation. If they are offensive to anyone, I apologize. The most obvious thing we can say about our parents is that they gave us life, whatever else came with that gift. Johnny Cash's great song, A Boy Named Sue, expresses this kind of honoring in an unforgettable way. We may want to kill the son of a bleep who made our life so hard, but still that hard life and the toughness we have learned from it are a gift with a peculiar beauty we can celebrate. There is something to be said for having the brokenness of life right there on the surface where we cannot deny it, but rather must choose to learn from it or give in to it. Of course, there are families in which the neglect or abuse suffered by someone at the hands of their family are not remotely related to the tongue-in-cheek affront captured in Johnny Cash's song. It can take a very long time, if ever, for such individuals to find anything in their families to honor or respect. But it is still the case that whatever resiliency Whatever courage such individuals have, it had to come from somewhere. It is part of the legacy they have received, reflecting some mix of genetics and childhood experiences 
that stand in opposition to the shadow side of their heritage. Another gift to us from the deficiencies of our parents is the opportunity to name and understand that deficiency and to try not to replicate it in our own parenting. This is not an easy gift to receive, for too often we take for granted patterns of parenting learned in our childhood. Honoring our parents may mean careful reflection upon things that made our childhood difficult or painful, and a resolve to find better ways in our own parenting. I believe with gratitude that my own children have honored me and their mother in this very way. However, doing this is not just a matter of doing the opposite of what our parents did. If they were too strict, for example, it may not be helpful for us to forsake the discipline of our children altogether. Honoring our parents will involve the more difficult path of trying to understand why they chose the way they took, identifying what was valid in what they were trying to do, and discerning how what was good in them might be lived in a better way. I am not under the illusion that what I am suggesting here is easy, or that it can be accomplished without help, but I do want to insist that parents cannot be neatly divided into good and bad, with the former to be honored and the latter cursed. All parents are flawed human beings, and we are called to honor them as they are or were, honestly naming as well as possible both their brokenness and the gifts they have given us. There are strong voices in our world telling us that freedom involves distancing ourselves from our parents, leaving our past and our community of origin behind and finding our true and unique selves. I believe this vision of selfhood and freedom to be profoundly inadequate. Before I argue that point further, I want to recognize what is true about it. It is an important step in the dance of life. The parable of the prodigal son in Luke's gospel is a portrayal of this dance. The younger brother, far from honoring his father, demands his share of the estate from the father and then takes off for a far country. Having come face to face with his own brokenness there, he returns to his home and is welcomed by the father whom he has failed to honor with a celebration. He had to leave home, it seems, in order to find himself and his true home. The older son, who never left home, finds only bitter resentment. Honoring our parents does not mean remaining a child forever. Even if our parents have been totally inadequate, we will never find ourselves as long as we are merely victims of that inadequacy. In order to find ourselves and truly honor our parents, we must first find our own life, brokenness and all. The gift of freedom to be yourself cannot be found by isolating yourself from your family, your roots. Leaving home can be a step in that direction, but to truly find yourself, you must eventually come home, not necessarily in a literal or geographic sense, but in the sense of knowing where you come from coming to terms with and in that way honoring those through whom God gave you the gift of life. Who you are is not some one thing given by fate or accident, nor is it something you determine for yourself 
and achieved by willing or dreaming it so. It is a gift given through your roots and shaped by how you walk the journey and dance the steps of your life. That journey begins with our relationship to our parents. To honor them is neither simple nor easy, but it is our first step toward the freedom to be ourselves. You've been listening to a podcast in our serialization of John Boddicher's book, Ten Steps on Freedom Road, Why the Commandments Are Good News. I'd invite you to consult the show notes where you'll find a link to the web post for this episode. And on that post, we will be including each of the episodes as they're released so that it's easy for you to go back and pick up one that you may have missed. Ten Steps on Freedom Road, Why the Commandments Are Good News is easily available through many booksellers, both online and the bricks and mortar sort. And a particularly affordable edition of the book in Kindle format is available through Amazon. Music for this series was provided by Steve Bell. We are grateful to Signpost for their permission to use this music. We're also grateful to John for taking the time to so carefully record these. To Kevin Grummet, Larry Campbell, and Bram Ryan, who did a lot of the background work on this audio. And to you for taking the time to listen, to think, to dig deeper with us in these podcasts. I'm your host, Jamie Howison. Thanks for listening.